today, I get to tell you a story. I love to tell stories. Now, this story, you know really all the pieces of it. So mainly I'm going to remind you. But I'm going to do something that I've had a very strong impression of the last few days and couple of weeks as I thought about today. Because I don't know that I've ever in my own life put some of these pieces together and considered this whole story. I've had this piece of it and this piece of it and this piece of it and this piece of it. But to put all those pieces together in the concept of going and making disciples. I believe, and I want to say to you here at the outset, that what I'm going to share with you in the next 30 minutes is absolutely the most powerful, most dramatic, most inspiring picture of disciples being made. The love of Jesus Christ reaching out through the power of the Holy Spirit and people coming into his family in belief and in commitment to Jesus Christ. This picture, this story, these words from Scripture. So please, just listen to the story. Now, I've said many times, and I will say it right now very emphatically, this is a great story, absolutely amazing. However... If you and I just take it as a story, then we've missed the mark. Because this story has a lesson in it. And in fact, I will tell you, it has several lessons in it. And so I ask you to pray, to listen, to talk to the Lord, listen to the Lord, listen to the story, listen to the scripture basis of the story, and See what the lessons are for you and me and for our church. So this story. We're going to start beside a lake. We're going to go all the way back to scripture and see a bunch of men going fishing. Now, one of the main men in this group was a guy named Peter. Now, this is after... The cross. This is after the resurrection. And think about Peter for just a moment. That man has been through an amazing lot of stuff in the last few days, along with a lot of others. Remember, Peter was there the night before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus was talking to them about going. And they didn't know where Jesus was going to go. And Peter said, Lord, I'll go with you. I'll go wherever you go. And you remember what Jesus said to him? Peter, will you really go with me everywhere I go? Peter, I want you to know that before the cock crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was horrified at that prophecy. But he was even more horrified because by the time the cock crowed the next morning, he had, in fact, said three times, Jesus, I don't know him. <laughs> and we're told that when the cock crow, that Peter wept. And then can you imagine 
what he went through during the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Peter witnessed all that. He was in the crowd. And he saw Jesus being brutally abused and beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross. And now Peter not only is suffering the guilt of denying him three times, but now he's looking at his Lord being brutally murdered. Peter was horrified. Then he was scared for two or three days. And then suddenly Jesus is alive. Think about the emotion for just a minute in this man, Peter. Unbelievable. I can't even imagine it. But now, Peter did something that maybe I would do or a lot of us people would do, particularly you guys sitting in the crowd. He said, man, I've had enough. I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> and then John and some of the other fellows said, we'll go with you. And so these fishermen that had been through all of this stuff, they got in a boat at night, went out into the sea, into the lake, and they went fishing. And they fished all night long. Now remember, these guys were expert professional fishermen. Did they catch anything? No. They caught nothing, the scripture says. But then there's some man standing on the shore or on what we would call, or I'd call, the bank of the lake or whatever. And this man says, hey, fellas, throw your net over to the right-hand side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. And Peter and all the guys threw the net over to the right-hand side, and they caught so many fish that they could not even pull the net into the boat. And then John, looking over at the man over there on the shore, said, Peter... It's the Lord. And Peter looks, and as Peter is Peter, what did he do? He jumped in the lake. <laughs> and he started swimming toward Jesus. And then all the fellas in the boat pulling this big net full of fish head toward the beach. And when they get over there, they see a fire. And they see Jesus sitting by the fire with fish and bread. Realize how many times Jesus has had fish and bread? Seems like standard menu, but so special. And Jesus said, come on, guys, we're going to have breakfast. So they sit and they eat there on the side of the lake. But then something very, very, very significant happens. Because Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, tell me something. Do you really, truly love me? And Peter said, sure, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Now that's a command. And then Jesus said again, Peter, do you really, really love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. That's a command. And a third time, Peter, do you really, really, really love me? Lord, you know everything, Peter said. He was a little frustrated. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus looked right into the eyes of this man, Peter, and said, feed my sheep. Three commands right there. Why three? Three denials. Three commands. Three affirmations of, Lord, I love you. Peter was restored right then. Peter did not know it. But the sheep were about to gather in front of him a little few days later. And Peter was going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples, to share the truth of Jesus Christ. But another place, the story continues, where Jesus is with his disciples and he meets them on a mountainside and he looks at them and he's already said that he's going to go. But now he said, all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. There's a command. And make disciples. There's a command. Of all nations, baptizing them. There's a command. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them. Another command. All the things that I have taught to you. Go and make disciples. Four commands involved in that. Now, was that just for those disciples 2,000 years ago? No. Remember this story has all sorts of lessons for you and me. And the commands are very, very important. Feed my sheep. And therefore go and baptize and teach and make disciples and all that we're hearing from this story for you and for me. And then one of the time that Jesus is with his people just before he left and ascended into the clouds. It says again that they were eating together. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Do not leave Jerusalem until you've received the gift that my Father has promised to you. Another command. Do not leave. Jesus was really, really important in his commands. Very emphatic. Very specific. Do not leave Jerusalem until you have received the gift that my Father has promised. And then he said, You will be my disciples. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment and tell you something. In 1959, I was just a 17-year-old kid that didn't know anything, just graduated from high school, and three weeks after I graduated from high school, I was at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, going into basic training in the Army, scared to death. And those people in the Army and my basic training unit used to say, you will do this all the time. You will do push-ups. You will get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You will walk five miles. You will not complain about this. You will do exactly what I tell you. Now, those are commands. Those are commands from Army drill sergeants. And guess what? I did what they told me to do. You will. But this is Jesus. 
saying to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of this earth. Now, please remember that we're putting these pieces together because now Jesus has said, feed my sheep. Jesus has says, therefore, go and make disciples. And Jesus has said, you will be my witnesses in this town, in that town, in that place, and throughout the world. Now, I want you to realize that these commands are from the Lord, the Master. And he's given them to all of his disciples then and now. And so what happens with this group of people? They see Jesus ascend into the clouds. Who knows how they felt? They've been with Jesus. They believe in Jesus. He's been their Lord. He's walked with them. They've walked with him. And now he's, he's gone. But then they start remembering what Jesus has commanded. That they're to feed the sheep. That they're to... Therefore, go and make disciples that they're to be his witnesses and that they're to stay in Jerusalem. So the story goes on. And what happened to these people? There were about 120 of them. Pretty big crowd. But they all went back to Jerusalem. And they stayed there. And as best we can figure, they spent 10 days in prayer. Longest prayer meeting I've ever heard of. 10 days. Have you ever been in a 10-day prayer meeting? I haven't. Maybe we should be. Maybe that's a part of our life that we're missing. But they spent 10 days in a prayer meeting, in an upper room, and all together, and fellowshipping together. And then something miraculous happened, something completely unknown to them. But do you remember... Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until you've received the gift that my father has promised to you. And then all of a sudden, a rushing wind and tongues of fire and things were happening in that group of people. And the Holy Spirit came on them and they became much, much, much more excited about this whole thing about Jesus Christ. And they got up the next day and they were celebrating and they were worshiping and they were excited and they were pouring outside of that building in which they stayed. And what did the people say? There were a lot of people there because it was the time of Pentecost in Jerusalem, the, the seat of the Jewish people. And there were thousands of people in the town. Thousands. And they're pouring out into the streets and they're celebrating and they're singing and they're laughing. And all the people said, these people must be drunk. They've been partying all night long. And they didn't even sleep. And now they're, they're just drunk and they're doing all this stuff that we're seeing and hearing. Probably a decent conclusion. You might make it or I might make it. But now something very unusual happens. Remember that fellow Peter? The one that was horrified and in guilt and in tears and, and hiding and not believing and going fishing and all like that? Scripture is saying there's two words, and I want you not to miss this. Scripture says Peter stood up. 
Now he stood up to do what? Now remember, Peter's just an old fisherman. And Peter has never really spoken in front of a crowd. And now there are thousands of people in front of him. And he stood up to tell all these people, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. That's ridiculous to think that we're drunk. And that's all Peter was going to say. He was done. He had said what he was going to say. But also, Peter had received the Holy Spirit and was operating in the resurrected Lord, res operating in all the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And Peter is now remembering, feed my sheep, therefore go and make disciples. You're going to receive power. You're going to be witnesses to me. And all of a sudden, through the Holy Spirit, all of that came rushing into Peter. And he preached. The first sermon he had ever preached. He had never preached a sermon. And it is magnificent. Why? Did he spend a lot of time studying the night before? <laughs> no. He probably, he, he spent no time studying. He was just celebrating the Holy Spirit and celebrating the fellowship with the people. And now he's preaching and he's preaching this amazing sermon. Because he has the Holy Spirit in his life. And he presents some of the history. Now remember he's talking to Jewish people. So they're already seeking God. They're there for Pentecost. And so they're seeking God. But Peter starts telling them about Joel. And some of the prophecy that Joel gave. And he talks about David. Who is certainly revered and even almost worshipped by the Jewish people. But then he's talking about what David says about this man, Jesus. And he launches into telling all these people about Jesus and about them crucifying Jesus and that Jesus was the Messiah. And he says to all these people in his sermon, he says, all Israel needs to be assured that Almighty God has made Jesus Christ Lord and Messiah. Now, I want you to think about that, because how much have the Jewish people wanted the Messiah? And now Peter, in all of this power and all this special day, he's saying, Almighty God has made Jesus Christ that you crucified, Lord and Messiah. And then somebody in the crowd, now remember, the, the crowd is thousands of people. Thousands. Now, they didn't have one of these. They had supernatural amplification. Because apparently they heard. But I want to tell you something else. You remember those other disciples that were still there? Those other 120 people that had been in prayer for 10 days? Where were they? And what were they doing? Now, we don't know for sure. It's not in Scripture, but I'm going to speculate. So I'm identifying that this is just Don's idea. Maybe others have shared it. But I believe that as Peter is preaching, those other people are moving about through the crowd. And they're talking about Jesus. Because remember, these commands were not just given to Peter. These commands about feed my sheep and, and go and make disciples and 
uh, you'll be my witnesses. They weren't just given to Peter. They were given to all of them and all of us. <laughs> and so I believe these people were moving about, sharing, witnessing, telling the story of Jesus Christ as Peter's up in front speaking to all these people. And then somebody in the crowd says, okay, Peter, what are we supposed to do with all this? You've just told, told us that we have the Messiah. What do we do? And Peter says that powerful statement, asking for a decision. He said, you are to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He calls them into decision-making. Remember, making disciples. And they begin to be saved. And he says more, save yourself through this that I'm telling you. Be with Jesus Christ. Make this decision and save yourself. Be saved from this corrupt generation. And these people, thousands and scripture says that 3,000 people that day were saved. You want to talk about making disciples? That's why I say I think this story is such a powerful statement of disciples being made through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the witness of Jesus Christ, through the efforts of of Peter and those 120 people. 3,000 people. Now, the joy that I say to you in my heart, the church was born that day. Our church was born that day 2,000 years ago. 3,000 people. Now, just a footnote here, and then I'll share a lesson with you. The footnote is is that 3,000 people became 5,000, became 10,000, became multitudes. And in fact, in the book of Acts, there are absolutely 34 different accounts of people accepting and believing in Jesus Christ. Just in the book of Acts. Go on to the book of Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians and First and Second Corinthians and Think about all of the things that are happening in the church that was born at that, on that day in Pentecost. Now, did they stop there? No, and the story doesn't stop there. And right now, I want to read to you this powerful statement of Scripture about, about what they did. And what happened as they moved forward in this story. Because 3,000 people plus 120. So now the church is born with 3,120 people. And they're in Jerusalem. And they don't stop because scripture says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Now... In just a moment, I'm going to talk about the six functions of the church. And right here, we've already had evangelism. That was Peter and all these 120 disciples witnessing 
sharing the story of Jesus Christ, presenting to all of these folks in Jerusalem the truth of Jesus. And so we have evangelism, and then it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now that's discipleship, teaching. Another function of the church. We want to teach. I'm teaching you right now. You're going to go to Bible study classes. You're going to be taught. Scott is here to lead us in discipleship efforts. We are having to be about discipleship. And then it says that they were devoted to fellowship. That means they were bound together as a family. They were bound together in the love and through the love of Jesus Christ in fellowship. And the breaking of bread. Now right here, the statement breaking of bread is about the Lord's Supper. Because apparently they celebrated the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day. Maybe more often than that. And so it says that they were breaking bread. And that is worship. So we have evangelism. We have discipleship. We have fellowship. We have worship. And they were devoted to prayer. That is one of the functions that I want to emphasize in the church. So here they're devoted to this whole fellowship of believers coming together through the name of Jesus Christ. And then it says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. There we have ministry. Another function of the church. So now we have six functions of the church. This, and you know this, this scripture that I'm reading you right now is from the second chapter of Acts, verses 42 through 47. And it's saying that they are functioning as a church. And then it says, every day they continue. Folks, this was a lifestyle. This was not Sunday morning church. This was a church completely involved every day in the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Now that's breaking bread, eating together. They broke bread and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that are being saved now this story is just absolutely amazing i love it i love it i read it i think about it i was so glad that the lord allowed me to teach and share this story with you today because we have been talking about the great commission we have been talking about therefore going and making disciples and baptizing and teaching all that Jesus has asked us to do, the commands. Now, I want to summarize this for you. Because when you and I read, think about, hear this amazing story, there are some steps here that I really want to take for myself and I want to share with you. Because we are commanded. Now, I'm going to emphasize that word. We are commanded. You will go and make disciples. You will be my witnesses throughout. 
Now that is the marching orders for our church. That is what we're called to be and to do. And so let's summarize for a minute. How did these people do it? What were they doing? The first thing that I would say to you is that they were obeying the commands. Now I want you to sit with that for just a minute. Because I've told you and I know and I admit even in myself, we don't like to be told what to do. There's something in you as a human being where you don't want to be told what to do. Me too. But this is part of our Christian experience because we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master. That means he has the authority as Almighty God to tell you and me what to do. We are his people. We are his disciples. We are to follow him. And so these people obeyed the commands. Think of all the commands that they've been given. Feed my sheep. Go and make disciples. Be my witnesses. They've been commanded, commanded, commanded. And they are obeying the commands. They are living a lifestyle of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing that they're doing that you and I need to learn a lesson from is they are praying constantly. They're not doing this in their own power. They're not following Jesus and making disciples in their own power. They are praying and seeking the Lord and understanding what he's saying to them. And he is answering their prayers. You and I must pray. Pray, pray, pray as we make disciples. We can't do it in our own power. It's impossible. Now, the next thing I want to emphasize to you is that they were doing this in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, they were in that prayer meeting and they were in that room and they were just completely involved and invested with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, this great sermon... Totally because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you and I are going to go and make disciples, we must, and I'm going to emphasize that, we must have the Holy Spirit in our life as we go and as we seek. And we must realize that the Holy Spirit will go before us. That the Holy, Holy Spirit will prepare people to hear the witness and the ministry that we have for them. And so, the Holy Spirit. Now, the next thing that I will say to you from this story and the lessons is there's got to be boldness. Now, I know, and it is in me, even though God has given me a lot of boldness in a lot of ways, there's still being timid, fearful, uncertain. Now, you and I have a tendency to be timid when we come to sharing our witness. Remember, Peter stood up. Peter stood up in courage and in boldness to share his sermon. And then we are to share the gospel. Now, folks, that means Jesus Christ. We are to share the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you, I don't know how many of us can give a full history or an apologetics for Jesus Christ, meaning we defend all the pieces about Jesus Christ. 
I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is, since you and I have had and do have continuing experiences with Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Master, then we go and we tell people about our experience. You give them your own testimony. You tell them what the Lord has done for you. And you can do that right now. If and as you submit to the Holy Spirit and as you stand up in courage and in boldness, then you tell people specifically words. That's where we make disciples. Yes, we need to lead a Christian life, but words, we need to speak the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you do that in boldness. Now, you answer questions. They, they ask Peter, what should we do? You're telling us about all this. And what did, Jesus, what did Peter say? He answered and he brought them into a decision-making point. You must repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, when we witness, we need to move toward a decision. <laughs> with the persons we are seeking to make disciples. We need to let them know how important it is, this thing about Jesus Christ. And so we declare a need for a decision. That's what Peter did. That's what these 120 people did. I'm saying I believe that they were out there working as well. And 3,000 people were saved that day. And then... And this is the discipleship that comes. They became a church, a lifestyle Christian church, where they were devoted to teaching and fellowship and prayer and breaking of bread and ministry and all of the things that make up a church. That's a message to you and me. Because we are a church and we are a good church, a good church of, God, of godly people, of Christ-centered people. And we are learning, and we are growing, and we are moving, and we can move more and more and more. And so we go all the way back 2,000 years ago. And we join with Peter and 120 people. And then we join with 3,000 people. And we look at the beginning of the church and it brings us all the way down to right here. To this church. And to what we need to do under God's leadership with the truth of Scripture and the absolute presence of the Holy Spirit in and through Jesus Christ in your life. And then we obey the commands to therefore go and make disciples. Let's pray.